Blog Talk Radio. Who's there? It's me, the Reverend John. Welcome back. Sorry about the long hiatus. Uh, I'm a I'm a working man, though. You know, I'm, I'm a worker. I do a lot of readings and a lot of root work, and I stay very busy, and uh, it's exhausting. But thank goodness fall is here. Fall is here. Uh, Halloween, Sawain, all sorts of stuff. And uh, pumpkin spice, everything. Everything is pumpkin spice. I have a pumpkin spice cat. You ever see my cat? He's a orange tabby. So it's just his time of year. And uh, we went straight into uh, summer to fall in East Tennessee. It was uh, 100 degrees. It truly was last week, uh, 100 degrees, and then it went to 60. So that's our, that's where our seasons have been. We went from winter to summer and summer to fall. Boom, boom, like that. And uh, But it feels really good. It feels very good. We The trees didn't have time to change. Uh, they just died and fell off. <laughs> they, they died. They died of uh, heat stroke and fell off the limbs. And uh, We didn't get any fall colors or anything. They just went from green to brown and gasped for breath and fell to the ground. So we didn't get the fall colors. It's, um Weather um, is, is just crazy. This is crazy. Uh, the Crystal Silence League hour. Um, tonight we're going to talk about the moon, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, the crystal called uh, rhyolite, which you may or may not have ever heard of. I was going to tell you about um, a very interesting stone, and I have a small piece of it. Um, which is uh, called a uh, phonolite and it's a very hard stone. They used to make axes out of it when they found it, but then I saw how much it costs. Um, and I thought, well, no, no one's going to go out and buy that. It's, it's a rare stone apparently and uh, costs quite a bit of money. So I'm not going to encourage you to go out and get it, but phonolite's a very interesting stone. It's, it's very hard. Uh, it's a, it's like a granite. It's a form of granite, but it's a, like green, and I'm telling you about it now, and it's not, we're not even going to use it. And if you try to look up metaphysical properties for it, you're not going to find it. Um, it's in very, it's in very few books, um, very little on any websites about it. Uh, a few people work with it. Uh, it's absolutely terrific for uh, sending back uh, negativity from uh, people who've broken your heart. It is absolutely terrific for shielding your heart chakra. Absolutely terrific. But um, we're going to talk about rhyolite later, which is not very expensive and does some similar work. Um, 
I should tell you about the Crystal Silence League. It was founded around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon for the purpose of sending out positive prayer and affirmation for those in need through the use of the crystal, the gazing crystal, sometimes called the crystal ball. And the crystal ball has become such a cliche that when you tell people you're a crystal ball gazer, uh, they sometimes laugh or smirk at you until they actually see it in action. And then, um, and then, ha ha, you know, who's laughing now? Uh, very powerful work. Uh, we work with crystals of different colors, and uh, we've discussed it on the show, and we'll discuss it again when I finish this series. We'll start talking about working with crystals. And um, once again, and get into some work with that. And um, when Mr. Conlon passed away in uh, 1954, the league went with him until adepts of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches brought it back to life on the interweb. And you can find it at www.crystalsilenceleague.org. And it is the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches. It is a big umbrella for such organizations as the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, uh, our churches, Divine Harmony Spiritual Church, uh, Four Altars, uh, Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, uh, the uh, House of Empowerment, and and others. There are others. Um, And uh, also uh, the LMC Radio Network. So, which is mainly sponsored, of course, by Lucky Mojo Curio Company. We're all a big web of uh, interconnected beings. And um, we uh, heterodyne and interrelated. We're interdependent. So if you go there, you'll see that we do have a prayer page. And on that prayer page, we have uh, many prayers. Uh, we get sometimes 100 to 150 to 200 a week, depending on uh, how many people go over there and post. And we'll go over there in just a minute. But first, I, I've been teasing you about Rhyolite, haven't I? And uh, if, if you look at Rhyolite, uh, it's pretty. It's a pretty stone. Uh, it can it can go anywhere from uh, uh, oddly enough from uh, anywhere from pink to green. So no matter what you have, it's going to work on your heart chakra. So uh, sometimes it's called rainforest jasper, by the way. It is a jasper. And some people call it rainforest jasper. And if you look at it, it looks like mottled leaves. It is a mottled stone. It will have red some in it sometime, green and orange, green and pink. Um, you'll find it uh, mottled in green, brown, and yellow sometimes. It looks like uh, leaves, like autumn leaves. So... Um, and it is um, found um, uh, in the southwest a lot, around Rocky Mountains. And uh, you can find it uh, in the uh, northeast, around Pennsylvania, I believe. So uh, it's a volcanic rock, heavy for its size, um, and a very hard rock on the Mohs scale. And it's found worldwide. But uh, I, I will tell you that um, it's uh, it's very good for shielding the heart from emotional assault. And it can also help you with uh, time-based trauma. If your past makes you afraid of facing the future, if you've been hurt in the past and it keeps you and you're stuck, you're stuck there and you can't move on, uh, this is a very good stone if you're doing that kind of work. Uh, no crystal will heal you in and of itself. You just can't rub a crystal and be healed in and of itself. We don't teach that. I do not teach that. If you have depression, if you have anxiety, uh, if you're recovering from illness, you're not going to rub a crystal and be magically cured. This stuff is not insulin. It's more like ibuprofen. Um, you have to do the work. But this can help you, and it can help you. So Rhyolite can help enhance your feeling of well-being, but you do have to do the emotional work. And it can help you as you're healing those emotional wounds. 
you know, I, I would never say avoid uh, traditional medicine or psychotherapy in favor of uh, surrounding yourself with crystals. But these things do seem to help, and that's what I would say. If you make a infusion uh, of rhyolite, uh, do the indirect method. I'm, I'm doing this with all my stones. I talked to some crystal people at a psychic fair recently, and this is what most people are doing. They're doing indirect methods. And uh, uh, what I mean by that is put it in a container, like a jar, and put your jar in the water and leave this in the sun for a period of time and then remove the jar. Don't put the stone directly in the water. Now, you can if you want, but understand that some stones may be toxic. People are talking about mercury. They don't want 0.0005% of mercury in their flu shot. But they're putting uh, cryolite and uh, chrysophage and uh, other copper-based stones in water uh, and uh, and drinking it. So, uh, you know, while the copper mine water uh, is um, such a problem with uh, people that live around it because copper gets in the topsoil and is poisoning it. So you don't want to have copper uh, and other elements leaching into your uh, your infusions, right? So, um, um, you know, be sensible. Be sensible about it. They got cobalt. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff's not, you don't want to ingest it. Good good for you to, uh, good for your chakras, bad for your um, bloodstream. So you don't want to do that. But that's rhyolite. That's what we're working on this week. All right, so if we go to the... Um, Oh, did I just close it out? No, I didn't. There it is. Uh, if we go to the Crystal Silence League, www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you go to the prayer page, the prayer request page. We may um, we may do some prayers. Why don't we? And um, we'll start with the prayer ID number. I don't read names out. I try not to. Um, and um, we'll start with prayer ID number 87374, whose prayer is direct and succinct. She prays, Money, money, money. Amen. Hallelujah, sister. I'm right with, there with you. Um, prayer ID 87372. He says, Oh, my darling cat Lily developed anisocoria. A-N-I-S-O-C-O-I-R-A. Suddenly today. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, and it's so Coria, today, she is a sweetheart and means the world to me. Please pray that this condition clears up quickly with no lasting damage to her vision and health. Well, amen. Prayer ID 87371 says, Hello, please pray that my daughter, I am, has a breakthrough and is able to write her college essay for a top college in New York City. Oh, I know, I know this person. She's written six drafts already, and she's not happy with any. I has 15 days left because she is applying for early decisions. Please also relax her mind and let all of her essay ideas flow naturally and easy to her. Thank you. Amen. I want to do, I'll, I'll do a little bit of help for that. I, I know this person. Prayer ID 87370, who prays, Lord, hear my prayer. I humbly ask that I am happy at work and that there is peace in my family that there is balance in my life and good fortune so that I can give the very best to my child. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And then we have prayer ID 87368, who says, Please pray that D and W will not talk about me behind my back anymore. Oh, gossip. That's bad, very bad. No, please pray that they do not talk about her uh, about him behind his back. Amen. Now you posted that prayer five times. You don't have to do that once is enough. Prayer ID eight seven three six four. Who says, "Please pray for my health. I'm bleeding and need it to stop. Please, I'm begging. I want to live a good, healthy life and see my oldest grandson graduate from high school. Please pray for my healing. I believe in miracles." I experienced one years ago through God's healing. 
please pray that this happens again. May God always bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. And this is prayer ID 87363. He says, Lord, please heal A of all his past hurt, painful memories, and anger towards me so that he can remember all the beautiful, loving memories and connections we have shared and the ones we would create once reunited. Please return A to me so that we can be a family again and work on our communication issues together. Please open his heart and mind to loving me and communicating with me again. Thank you and amen. Prayer ID 87362. Lord, please stop my mom's pain right now. Amen. And prayer ID 87359. I have asked for a prayer lately. I've asked for a lot of prayers lately. I've been stressed out and I've not been handling it well. My physical health has been taxed heavily. My son also keeps bringing yucky colds home from school, and my daughter has been feverish. Oh, Lord, if you have kids in the house, you stay sick. I've been praying that we all be healed and that I physically, mentally, and emotionally be healed. I have anxiety from worrying about my health, even though I know I'm okay. My back and neck are messed up a little, and I need them right. Please pray for us. Please, amen. I want to tell you something that helps, and this is an old country trick. If if you take onions, just a couple of onions, like three onions, and put them in a bowl and keep them in your room, um, you won't be as sick. You won't get sick as often. And I'll, I'll tell you that skeptics say that's crazy and it doesn't work, but I've talked to a couple of doctors and they say, oddly enough, there are patients who do this, and these are country doctors, you know, doctors that, you know, live in the South and stuff don't seem to get the cold and flu as much. And I've done it. My grandmother did it. My aunt did it. My mom did it. And you, you keep a bowl of onions in your, in your house, in your room, uh, you know, like in your bedroom. Don't let them get moldy. And uh, uh, during the flu season, you, you cut the onion in half. And uh, just keep a couple of those in a bowl. Don't let them get moldy. That, that's crazy. But um, keep a couple of onions in your room and you won't be as sick. And this is especially good if you have kids in the house because kids are disease vectors, man. If you have kids in the house, you always have something going on. But, but try that. Pray ready, 87358. It says, oh, God, please pray for my husband. He had a horrible childhood and doesn't believe he deserves a good life. He got arrested for DUI today. Please pray he can get the help to get off drugs and alcohol and can see how much we love and need him. Please pray he does not miss too much of our brand new baby growing up. He is my best friend. I'm lost. I need him back, but I'm afraid he'll do more of the same if I bond him out. Please, please pray for us. I can't stop crying. Amen. Prayer ID 87357. Dear St. Jude, thank you for answering my prayers and lending me your favor. We appreciate all that you do for us. Amen. Let's do one more. Prayer ID 87356. My boyfriend can be mentally abusive to my son and I. He always looks at the negative aspect of every situation and he's beginning to drain my positive energy. I want him to be happy whether that's with me or without me. Not afford to be alone right now, so I'm praying for healing for this relationship. And if it's not in God's will, then I pray for the financial stability to make it on my own. Amen. Let's have a moment of silent prayer and meditation for everyone that needs it.
Amen. May all sentient beings be blessed and free from suffering. This is a tough old world. It is a tough old world. Well, tonight we're talking about Trump 18, the moon. We only have four more to go, and we'll be done with this. Uh, People are really liking this series. Uh, I'm getting a lot of emails from this, uh, mostly positive, and uh, it's been suggested I compile these and edit them and uh, put it out as a course. I don't think I would do that. Um, I may uh, write a small book on uh, my uh, my thoughts and meditations on uh, the on tarot interpretation, the major arcana. If I wrote a book on the entire tarot, it would be as thick as the Encyclopedia Britannica. But um, there are enough books on the tarot to last the world for eternity, I don't think I would add anything to it. I, I really don't. The, and there are better people than me. Uh, Mary Greer, uh, Catelyn Matthews, uh, uh, Rachel Pollock, they've, they've written great books on the tarot. So, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm adding commentary basically to, you know, giants have gone before me. I'm not, and Arthur, it, it would wait, come on now. But we're going to talk about the moon. Trump 18, and you know 18 reduces to 9, which takes us back to what, the chariot? Yeah, the chariot. So, very interesting because the moon was seen as a chariot by some of the ancients, right? Diana uh, rode her uh, chariot across the sky, and Apollo rode the sun across the sky, and uh, so the moon was actually seen as a vehicle, and I don't believe in coincidences uh, at all in anything. Coincidences, you're being lazy. You're not finding the connection. And, uh, of course, also we have a one and an eight. An eight relates to strength, right, which is the animal nature tamed. And that's very important when we start looking at the moon because there are no people in this card, just animals. And then we have one. Of course, the magician, which is taking the high power, the power, the celestial power, and bringing it to the earth through will. And I want to tell you, the moon has nothing to do with willpower. So, but it does have a lot to do with the high power. So, I find this very interesting. These correlations, um, very, very interesting. So, what what do we know about the moon itself? Well, the moon has a side that you never see. The dark side of the moon has never been seen by human beings until we were technologically advanced enough to put a uh, camera on the other side via satellites. Only people born in the 20th century saw the dark side of the moon. The moon and the earth revolve around a common center of gravity. They rotate around each other. The The moon and the earth rotate around each other around a common center of gravity. So the part of the moon that has the face, the man in the moon always faces the earth. It always faces the earth. There's some perturbation, but the backside of the moon, no one has ever seen. The man in the moon or the rabbit in the moon, depending on your culture, always faces the earth. So the moon, the very interesting, the moon has a side you never see. And this is something I always use when I interpret it. When the moon comes up, there's something there you don't see, a side you don't see, and a dark side, a side that the light never hits. The sun never shines on the dark side of the moon. And interestingly enough, this is something that I've never had uh, anybody point out. When they're doing a reading on me and the moon comes up, uh, and it's about me, they, they never say you have a dark side that no one ever sees. You have a dark side that the sun never shines on. And if someone ever said that to me, I would think, oh, my God, they nailed me. <laughs> and when the moon comes up in a reading, I wait for that. I say, are they going to say that? Are they going to identify the dark side in me that the sun never shines upon? Are they going to say, you know, you're 
you know, you, you laugh and make a lot of jokes and stuff, but there's a darkness in you that no one ever sees. You ne- the sun never shines upon you. And and then the rest of the card relates to a whole lot of stuff, man, I tell you. Uh, we look at the card itself in the Rider weight deck, and it's there are a lot of commonalities in the previous decks and a lot of differences. Um, uh, the dog, the wolf, and the crayfish do show up in earlier versions, but not all of them. In uh, the Tarot of uh, Versailles, we, you know, we have the moon. Uh, the human face does turn up in a lot of them, but in most of them, the face is in full front. The rider weight, we see it in profile because we're, we're looking at uh, all the phases of the moon in the rider weight deck. We see all four phases of the moon, and I believe that's important too. But in the uh, Tarot Messiah, there is a person. There's a uh, um, uh, sometimes it's sexually ambiguous, but we're told that this is a woman. I used to think it was a guard because uh, the figure is holding a spear, but it's a staff. It's a distaff, in fact, and uh, it's a woman holding a distaff. And sometimes she's spinning. She's working a spinning wheel, and she's usually in the lower right corner. Uh, at night, and in the uh, Tarot Marseille, there's stars all around. Those stars in the Rider Weight become uh, dewdrops falling down in the shape of uh, of the yods, which we've seen before in the Tower and others, which represent the first name of uh, Jehovah, uh, the first letter JHV, right? Uh, which are the blessings of God raining down from above. And so this is, uh, again, very important symbology. Uh, The Twin Towers turn up in a lot of the uh, uh, representations. It forms a gateway, and the gateway turns up a lot in uh, shamanistic visions, in uh, mysticism, you pass through the gateway to get to the other side. And, you know, what is the other side? Well, you pass from the material world into the realm of the unconscious. And this card deals a lot with the unconscious. Most traditional interpretations, in fact, say that this represents the unconscious. This is imagination and intuition. We have a a bit more than that. Um, You have a dog and a wolf showing the feral and the tamed side of our animal nature the crawfish i believe represents a lot of like the moon the crawfish rises from the hidden depths arthur Waite says it never leaves the water though it's always half submerged it comes up from the water and goes back down but it never leaves the water it comes up from the hidden depths where again those depths are never seen by mortal man it comes up to the surface. You see it, and it goes back down. You know, to you know, to whence we don't know, the hidden depths. And there's always been something about the ocean uh, that that is terrifying to me. You leave the land and go into the ocean, and there are things out there uh, terrifying and fascinating. You watch a Jacques Cousteau special. He went down into these into these amazing depths in these tiny vehicles and suits and saw things that no one had ever seen before going to caves and things a mile under underwater and uh, it was terrifying and beautiful and I, I stand on beaches and see the moon at night and look out the sea is where we came from right the sea was the mother that's where life started and we crawled out of the ocean onto land and uh, you know it's just it's wow and i think how vast and terrifying is that underneath that placid surface and this was reflected to me by a, a talk I heard a Buddhist monk say, and he was talking again about how, um, uh, you know, how basically how awful the world is, and uh, you know, in a in a, in a way that Buddhists do, uh, you know, that the world is, you know, we, we tend to not see the nature of reality. We see the there there are three delusions in Buddhism. You see the uh, lovely as unlovely. Uh, the unlovely is lovely and permanent, uh, impermanent is permanent. So 
one of this is he says, uh, what, see, you look out on a beautiful day, a beautiful sunny day. You see the beautiful trees and flowers, and you see the beautiful lake. And one inch below the surface, everything is busy killing and eating each other. And so we see the, the crayfish rising from the ocean. We see the dog and the wolf howling at the moon. And we have to look a little bit into the history of the moon itself to see why this is happening. You know, what does the moon represent? Well, in the Middle Ages, the moon was considered responsible for stealing men's souls and causing them to go insane. And to this very day, um, uh, doctors, policemen, uh, mental health specialists, those who are not so mired in 19th century materialism, they deny such things will tell you that most suicides and mental breakdowns occur during a full moon and deaths in hospitals and violent acts, uh, violent accidents occur during a full moon. Now, you know, skeptics will say, well, this is a, you know, correlation doesn't mean causation, but, you know, there you have it. Lunacy, lunar, luna, lunacy. That's where the word comes from. So the moon draws out from the hidden depths of the unconscious those things that we don't normally see. It rises up. And it's been said that that's not a crayfish, but a scorpion. And we'll get more into that in a minute. The symbology seems baffling until you know the key to it. You've got to have the Rosetta Stone to it, and then it makes sense. It's not, uh, it's not uh, like a lot of the uh, symbology in, in uh, the Rider Waite deck. We've seen the Holy Grail, and we've seen Egyptian uh, symbology. Uh, to crack the code of of this, and we're we're going to get into some stuff. Should we look at the moon a little bit more? Um, gosh, if, if we looked at all the uh, deities associated with moon worship, we'd be here all night. Um, um, we would be here all night. I wanted to do a, a search of all the lunar deities and read you a list, and there, there are hundreds throughout history. I mean, there are literally hundreds. We can talk about Artemis. We can talk about um, Diana, Hecate, who wasn't originally a lunar goddess, but became. We can talk about uh, the uh, about Luna. We can talk about Mani, who was the Norse moon god. We can talk about Selene. We can talk about the triple goddess of Wicca. We can go to Chinese mythology and talk about Shangzi, uh, Wugong. We can go to Hindu mythology and talk about Chandra. We can go to Indonesian and talk about Rafi, Japanese, uh, Tsukuyamo. We can go to, um, oh gosh, if you go into Hebrew, uh, uh, the Semitic mythology, Baal, Sin, Talab, Wad. If we go to uh, the American, uh, Native Americans, uh, there's dozens, uh, dozens. Um, if you go into uh, voodoo, which is an American, uh, an African-American religion, you got Kalfu. Uh, God, there are hundreds, hundreds of lunar gods and goddesses, hundreds. Um, the Egyptians had uh, um, uh, oh my goodness uh, Tot Kansu uh, La uh, many <laughs> many so and there were sun gods as well but we had moon gods we had moon gods and they were uh, we, we just can't even name them all but we're looking at a, a specific set of symbols that recur periodically in the tarot, in the uh, version of the tarot of Marseille, 
which influenced many later decks, we will see the humanized image of the moon, two animals that are a dog and a wolf howling at the moon, and then this crayfish, the two towers that are the uh, gateway. So what does it mean? If you study mythology, you'll find that this seems to be in a very unlikely place, but we know that Arthur Edward Waite did refer to this frequently, the Epic of Gilgamesh. And in this Epic of Gilgamesh, he makes a journey to the city of the gods in search of immortality. He, he's lost his best friend in Kidu, and you'll recall there was a series where we read the Epic of Gilgamesh. It was the first heroic epic, and he decides to make a journey to the place where the immortals dwell, and he asked uh, Utnapishtim, who was Noah, the ancient fisherman Noah. This was uh, the survivor of the deluge who built an ark and put his family on it when the world was flooded, and he landed on a mountain, and he found a plant that gave him immortality. So, uh, and he became the earliest human who managed to join the uh, uh, the assembly of the gods, right? And Gilgamesh said, "Share with me the secret of eternal life." So, when he approaches this mountain, uh, he sees lions, two lions roaring on the mountain pass, and he's scared. So he invokes the power of the moon god Seen, who is the protector of travelers. And now we go back to the chariot to assist him in his journey. And that night he has dreams. He dreams that he fights and he prevails against these two lions. Now the two lions have become the dog and the wolf in this image, but you know, there you go. So he reaches, he goes through the gates, reaches the foot of Mount Mashu. Um, and the mountain has the two peaks, which are the, uh, the two towers, right? And there's a long dark tunnel that leads to the city of the gods and they're guarded by scorpions and the scorpions realizes that he is um, Gilgamesh is half human and half God agree to let him through so it's easy in this narrative to see the elements that appear in this so and then entomologically crab scorpion or scarab all share the same root crib and they are custodians of immortality, not only in Mesopotamian cultures, but also in Egyptian cultures and biblical tradition. In the book of Genesis, those uh, crabs are humanized and called cherubs, and they guard the path to the tree of life. And the lines are also a symbol common in most ancient cultures and represent the uh, animal forces of human passion, which we also see in the tarot, right? Which need to be overcome if your spiritual journey is to be successful. These notions of sacred mountains or sacred gates, sacred towers as the dwelling of the gods is common among most ancient traditions. The idea of pinnacles, towers, obelisks, pillars, they, they appear again and again. And the moon is a symbol of a spiritual journey. The moon is a symbol of rebirth. The moon uh, as a um, god like Osiris, Dionysus, Baal. Uh, that can be evoked hundreds, hundreds. So uh, some scholars link that story also with uh, Jacob's dream uh, in Genesis where he spends the night in the wilderness uh, where he he's scared of wild beasts, right? And in his dream, he sees a ladder connecting heaven and earth. And this ladder is populated with angels. And he wakes up, he says, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And before leaving the place, which he calls Bethel, house of God, he sets up pillars. So, let's, let's dwell on this for just a minute while we have station identification. We haven't even gotten into the card yet. LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie. 
Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain. Tuesdays, 5 to 6. Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse. Fridays, 4 to 5. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay. Fridays, 6 to 7. All times Pacific. Add three hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California and online at luckymojo.com. So some of our deepest fears are the fears we can't name, the fears that live on the dark side of the moon that are down in the water where we can't see them. Sometimes we wake up from nightmares that we can't remember. We're terrified. We lay there covered with sweat, shaking, afraid of something that almost got us, something we were running from, and we can't remember it. Sometimes we, we're anxious and, and fearful of, of things uh, fears and anxieties of which we can't even put a name to. We don't know. Uh, when when uh, I talk to some of my clients, some of my people with this, I call those dragons. You say there's a dragon out there you know, that you're terrified of and you don't even know what it is. You can't put a name to it. And it, it keeps you from acting. Uh, and I believe that this is what we're seeing with the crayfish. We're, we're seeing hidden fears and terrors and phobias and things that rise from the unconscious and keeps us from, from acting. The, the silvery light of the moon is very eerie. And under that light, we can, uh, you know, tear our clothes off and howl at the moon and become irrational, the irrational side of us. It's very easy to imagine ghosts and monsters and, um, uh, uh, wildness. Uh, I'm also going to suggest to you, that the wolf and the dog are not wolves and dogs, but uh, us transformed into animals, shapeshifters, that we become the wolf and the dog under the light of the moon, that this is us in the form of animals. One is a dog, which is domesticated and tame. The other is the wild wolf that is not. So, what I suggest is that this is showing us in the shaman state, the dream time, when we don the skins of animals. And this is a state that many people have entered um, uh, under deep meditation or psychotropic drugs. And there is a, a type of madness that occurs on the spiritual journey. Um, the difference is with the type of spiritual madness that the shaman enters is that he or she is prepared for it. They have a roadmap. The type of madness that, say, the schizophrenic enters is terrifying because they're not prepared for it and they don't have a roadmap. And there's an excellent book, and I cannot remember the title of it. Um, it may be Diary of a Schizophrenic or something like that, but it's about a, uh, a man who had schizophrenia, and he was institutionalized, and he decided he was going to get off his drugs and reason his way out of it, and he did. And then he uh, uh, realized that what he did was the same thing that, uh, uh, that shamans do, and he, he realized that shamans entered the same world that schizophrenics do, but they have a map. So um, the um, um, it, it's such a it's such a crazy thing the um, um, that we we can't even fathom it now we um, we wind up with a with a, a wondrous. Uh, None. Yeah, we wind up with a uh, a world you can enter under the moon that can be terrifying. Whenever you uh, see horror movies, 
there's the full moon, the wolf howling, the vampire flying around. So the gateway leads into unknown areas. We're looking at the unknown. We're looking at um, 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 that which is out there. And there are, there are words for these free-floating anxieties, uh, panic. Uh, there's, a, there's a word, Weltschmerz, uh, the Germans coined for a, a type of uh, anxiety that you can't put a word to. It's a, it's a longing or an anxiety for uh, uh, something you've never experienced, some place you've never been. Um, sometimes there's a uh, a feeling of uh, cabin fever, uh, an explosion that the life you're living is not yours. And we're also looking at um, ordinary life versus another type of life. There can be two of us, the the dog and the wolf. Uh, there's the true self versus the social self. And what I mean by that is there is a a person that we're meant to be. We're born a certain way, and then over time, we become domesticated. We build a social identity that we show the world, and this may have nothing to do with our real self. There may be a side of us that is completely different, uh, and we find ourselves in a conflict of doing what we're supposed to do versus what we really want to do. We're being somebody that we're expected to be and that we've been trained to be, you know, like a dog. But our true feral nature, our true nature, who we're supposed to be, uh, is completely locked away. The dark side of the moon, right? The hidden depths that the crayfish that crayfish has an has an entirely different life when he's underwater in the dark depths. You know, he comes up he comes up and we go, oh, look a crayfish, but what is he doing down in the water? We'll never know. We will never know the secret life of that crayfish. Jacques Cousteau knows, <laughs> but you know, we don't. Uh, <clears throat> so these anxieties and fears and phobias that rise from the subconscious um, come up and the, the moon definitely is a cycle now Arthur Edward Waite says it is waxing on the side of I want to look it up here exactly how he says it uh, um, the moon is said to increase on the side of mercy which is a reference to the pillar of mercy on the Kabbalistic tree of life so what we see is that in this Maelstrom of fear and panic, and you look in behind the gate, uh, the water, if that's the ocean or a lake, it's very uh, uh, turbulent. That water is turbulent, you know, showing that this unconscious is disturbed. You know, whatever's up behind that gate is disturbed. But here we have the grace of God, the yods. Um, symbols of grace, the grace of God is falling, the moon is on the side of mercy um, it's said that the moon has uh, 16 large rays and 16 small rays um, um, I'm, I'm not sure of the significance of uh, the 16 or the 32 I'm sure there is um, 16 is 7 and uh, um, seven leads to the chariot. The card itself is 18, and 18 is nine, which is the hermit. You know, the hermit, of course, is the recluse. Um, I'll tell you that during meditation, um, it's a very interesting thing. And uh, if you if you take very intense meditation training, um, about your second year your uh, teacher uh, I, I don't know in other forms of meditation I don't think TM ever gets this uh, but uh, Anapanasati uh, a Buddhist form of meditation your uh, teacher might take you aside and said now you may enter a state of very deep meditation 
where you start to see things. And go, what, what do you mean see things? Well, you'll know when you get there. It's very important that you don't react to them when you see them. And these are called mitrias. They're called artifacts of meditation. They're called mitrias. And um, they can look like bats, giant bats, dragons, demons that swoop down like they're going to attack you. Sometimes they look like shadow beings. And uh, when this occurs, during, they're called artifacts of meditation uh, or mitrias. And they are a common phenomenon of people who become very good at meditative absorption. Um, you can call them hallucinations, or you can say that you've actually penetrated into a uh, – you've been able to discern one of the uh, non-corporeal realms that are recognized in Buddhism. There are Naga realms and Deva realms and Yaka realms that are spiritual realms, and these beings are considered to be made of a subtle matter. They're not like pure spirit. They're subtle matter that normally you can't discern. And uh, it was said that uh, uh, Ajahn Shah, the great Thai forest monk, uh, saw Mitrias of uh, Sariputra and Mahakapasa, who were two of the Buddha's uh, monks who taught him Dharma during uh, meditative absorption. That's, he said they, they appeared as artifacts of meditation. So sometimes they're not terrifying, but often they are, and uh, you know, often they are. They're uh, they they swoop down, uh, they fly around you, they they flutter their wings, uh, you know, you and uh, try to terrify you. And the uh, uh, because they're a manifestation, they're they're summoned by your fear of uh, of uh, the void, the emptiness, uh, the transparency. Uh, uh, sunyata, and these are some of your fears and anxieties that arise, like that crawfish arises from the deep. And I, I truly believe that when we're, we're looking at the esoteric magical traditions that arose during the time these cards were uh, designed and addressed, uh, and even before these magical traditions, they were well aware of these meditative techniques. They were well aware of the Tibetan yoga training. They were well aware of these things. And I believe that encoded in some of these cards were warnings that if you're going along the path of the shaman, uh, and you'll notice that there is a path, and you'll notice that crawfish is pointing out that path, that uh, along that path may lie lie terror. The spiritual path is not all uh, sun and roses. You may you may find yourself walking under the full moon with wolves howling at you and uh, terrifying things rising from the depths to confront you on that path. And um, if you read the accounts of uh, shamans who've been on the spiritual path, they'll often tell you that they've been confronted by monsters. Uh, read the uh, Bardo uh, Thopal, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and see what uh, you were warned about during the period of uh, the death of your body and the passing through the Bardo, and uh, you'll, you'll see what I mean. The passage of the spirit, uh, you're often confronted by very scary things that try to keep you from a uh, propitious uh, rebirth. So this gateway is a common symbol among mystics and shamans. You've got to pass through the gates, and they're often guardians. And in this case, that path is guarded by the two howling canines and the very scary crawfish. And the gateway allows you to leave the ordinary world, the constructed world, and into the strangeness of the mind. So we see a lot of this in there. We see two pillars. We see two columns. We see uh, two towers. And so if you're using this for divinatory readings, um, it's not enough to say this is your imagination manifesting. This is saying go inside yourself and take back, take back your true self. 
uh, leave the expectations of others. You know, face your fears. You know, what are you afraid of? You know, that's where your destiny is. What are you afraid of the most? You know, these are the things that probably define your fate. And I'll tell you that um, almost everything I, I did um, was as a reaction to what I was afraid of. I, I used to be afraid to talk to people, so I became a speaker. And I was afraid of, of uh, girls, so I asked out every girl I met. Truly, I did. Every girl I met when I became old enough to uh, be interested in girls, I asked out every girl. And I'm not exaggerating. Every girl I met, I would uh, strike up a conversation and uh, talk to them. Uh, I was terrified of of the opposite sex. And, uh, and I've encouraged other guys. I had friends who were terrified of it. I said, what's the worst thing that could happen? They'll They'll tell you to get lost. And so, so what's going to happen? The earth is going to open up and swallow you. You know, you're going to be struck by a meteor. You know, what's going to happen? And uh, I had friends that uh, I could help over that. And some, I think to this day, they've never spoken, <laughs> you know, never asked uh, a girl out on a date. Um, but I was terrified. And I said, you know, this is a fear. I was, uh, uh, oh, afraid of a lot of things. And I was afraid of something. Um I would confront it, and I, I think my dad is because of my dad. There was uh, two guys that were bigger than me in school when I was very young, uh, second grade, who would uh, beat me up on the way home from school. And you know, I came home crying, you know, snot running down my nose. And dad said, "Here, I'm going to show you something." And he took me out back, and um, he went down to the YMCA, and uh, they had boxing uh, classes. And he bought a pair. He bought two pairs of boxing gloves, and he came out and taught me how to box. And he said, now, when, when they pick on you, you do this. And I said, but I'm really scared. And he said, it's okay to be scared. He said, you should be scared. And he said, you know, you probably get your butt whipped, but fight back. And, uh, and I did. And to my amazement, they left me alone. And, uh, and, uh, and I was scared, but I'll tell you that being scared was not as bad. Being scared and doing something about it was not as bad as being scared and doing nothing about it. So if you find yourself confronting your destiny and you know this is something you should do and all that's holding you back is your fear, I'm going to tell you this one truth that I've learned in life. Being scared and doing it anyway is nowhere near as being scared and not doing it. That's the truth I'm going to leave you. Because the worst consequence that's going to happen is you do it and you didn't get the result you expected. But if you don't do it, you're not going to get any result. You're just going to sit there and eat yourself up with regrets. I'm going to tell you this. Another thing that the Buddha said, you don't have as much time as you think. The problem is you think you have time. And with that happy thought, we're going to leave the moon behind, and I could tell you a whole lot more. I could do another show on that, but it's time for us to leave Oh, I'm so sorry it took two weeks to get here. I promise you I'll do my best to have a show next week. Guess what? We move on to the sun. A happy, happy card. So uh, we'll see you next week. You know the Reverend loves you. Bye-bye. <laughs>